Leviticus chapter 13. I'm looking forward to what the Lord's laid on my heart for this evening. I pray God will speak to you about it. I hope we can see it. Verse number 1, Leviticus chapter 13. The Bible said, The Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man shall have in the skin of his flesh a rising, a scab, or a bright spot, and it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy, then he shall be brought unto Aaron the priest, or unto one of his sons the priests. And the priest shall look on, on the plague in the skin of the flesh, and when the hair in the plague is turned white, and the plague in sight be deeper than the skin of the flesh, it is a plague of leprosy. And the priest shall look on him and pronounce him unclean. The bright spot be white in the skin of his flesh, and in sight be not deeper than the skin, and the hair thereof be not turned white, then that priest shall shut up him that hath the plague seven days. And the priest shall look on him the seventh day, and behold, if the plague in his sight be at a stay, and the plague spread not in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up seven days more. And the priest shall look on him again the seventh day, and behold, if the plague be somewhat dark, and the plague spread not in the skin, the priest shall pronounce him clean, it is but a scab, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab spread much abroad in the skin, after that he hath been seen of the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen of the priest again. And if the priest see that, behold, the scab spreadeth in the skin, watch this phrase, and the priest shall pronounce him unclean, it is a leprosy. Now, can you imagine how bad of a day that would be to wake up one day and to see a spot on your forehead, a mark on your flesh, and because the law says you have to, you go to the priest for diagnosis. And the priest looks at you and he goes through the process and he confirms it and said, without a doubt, that's leprosy. That man's life is over. He just received a walking sentence of death. He's separated from his family. He's separated from his community. He has to walk about telling everybody that he's not right with God. What a dark hour that would be. In chapter number 13, we read about the condition of a leper. But I'm glad that God doesn't leave us with only chapter 13. He also gives us chapter number 14. In chapter 13, we read about the condition of the leper. But in chapter 14, we read about the cleansing of a leper. Look with me at chapter 14, and we're going to read several verses, and I'll read through them quickly so you can be seated. But you'll wish that you could have stood longer three hours from now anyway. Verse number one, the Bible said, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest. I like this phrase, And the priest shall go forth out of the camp. And the priest shall look, and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper. Then shall the priest command to take for him that is to be cleansed two birds alive and clean and cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it and the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and shall dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times. And shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. And he that is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all his hair I don't want to get ahead of myself, but every sight and stain of what used to be is getting wiped away, that he may be clean, and after that he shall come into the camp and shall tarry abroad out of his tent seven days. Jump down to verse 11. The entire message is me wanting to get to verse 11. In verse 11, it says this, And the priest that maketh him clean shall present the man that is to be made clean in those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. In chapter number 13, the lepers condemned and separated from the presence of God. But in chapter 14, the priest goes to where he is, goes through the cleansing process, and then escorts him right back into the presence of God. 
Tonight, if you've been saved, I want to give us a little refresher in exactly what happened when we got saved. If you're tonight and you're not saved, be a great night to get cleansed. Be a great night to get a high priest. Be a great night to get saved. For a little while tonight, I want to preach on this thought, a lesson in leprosy. Let's pray. Lord, I pray you speak to our heart tonight, please. I need power to preach this. I don't have an outline like normally I do, so I pray you'd gather my thoughts and help me, Lord, to present this truth accurately and also just help us to get the picture. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you'd have right away to move in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. The Apostle Paul said that whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. He's saying that those things that were written in the Old Testament are still profitable and valuable and instructive for us who live in the dispensation or time of the New Testament. You don't cut off the Old Testament part of your Bible. In fact, the seeds that were sown in the Old Testament come to fruition and sprout in the New Testament part of your Bible. A lot of good stuff happened in the Old Testament, and it carries over into the New Testament. With that in mind, I want to draw your attention to this third book in your Bible, and the third of five penned by Moses under inspiration of God, the book of Leviticus. Now, if you study out the Old Testament, you find there's something very different in the book of Leviticus than you find in the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, God meets with Moses, one man from Mount Sinai. Only Moses can approach into the presence of God. But then when you come to the book of Leviticus, God is moved from off of the mountain down into the tabernacle. And now all of God's people have access to where he is. I'm glad that's the God we serve tonight, aren't you? I'm glad he's not a distant God. He's not an aloof God. He's not a disengaged nor uninterested God. But he's a God that every one of us who are saved have boldness and access into his presence anytime we want to go there in prayer. I'm glad that he's just a prayer away. When you come to the book of Leviticus, you understand it's the Hebrew worship manual. It teaches us two things. It teaches us the godly way to live and then the way to God. God wants us to get into His presence. And to do that, you have to live according to His principles and according to His Word. Now, as we look at this Hebrew worship manual, the Bible gives us this topic or subject of leprosy. Now, in the Old Testament, they faced many hardships. They faced famine and war and other diseases. But there was nothing they would have dreaded, nothing they would have feared or loathed any more than this awful disease of leprosy. They would say that leprosy was basically to get uh, just to uh, turn a man into a walking pile of disease, decay, and death. It's to be declared as a walking dead man. If a priest were to look on you and call you a leper, your life has just ended. It's a horrible thing. Now, often in the Bible, God takes something that is natural to teach us about something that is supernatural. And in the Bible, God uses leprosy to show us what he sees and what he thinks of sin in our life. You'll find out that leprosy was contagious. Leprosy was condemning. Leprosy was contaminating. All of these things and sin is the same. Now, tonight, what I want to do is I want to take these Old Testament texts to teach us a New Testament truth and show us exactly what happened to you and I when we got saved. And if you're not saved tonight, this could happen to you this evening if you just come to the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's consider this a lesson in leprosy. Number one, I want you to think about this with me, the condition of a leper. What does leprosy do to the body? 
Now, if you were simply to study it out, and by that I mean just Google it, but if you were to study out leprosy, you find that leprosy is a disease that totally mutilates the body. But the thing about leprosy is it destroys the body from the inside to the outside. The effects of leprosy are not at first noticeable by the naked eye. The first thing leprosy would do is it deadens the feelings. Leprosy is a disease that was that attacks the peripheral nerve endings of the body. Those are those nerve endings that allow you to have the sensation of touch. Uh, if you were to hit your hand with a hammer, think your peripheral nerve endings, you feel that. I mean, if you were to stub your toe in the night, who's done that before? It's about like breaking your neck, same thing. Uh, that's your peripheral nerve endings. They allow you to feel things. That's hot, that's cold, that's soft, that's hard. That leper would slowly... Quit feeling things that he used to feel. Things that used to move him would not move him any longer. Things that should stir him would not stir him. He'd slowly lose that sensation. He could hit his hand with a hammer, wouldn't even feel it. He could stub his toe and might not notice it. Things that would move a man without leprosy would not move that leprous man. Can I say sin is the same way in our life? Sin deadens your feelings toward the things of God. You ever wonder why it is some folks can come to church and they like it? Some of you are like, really? You know, some folks come to church and they say amen. Some folks come to church and they, they just get stirred up. I mean, the choir or, or the group will sing, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And they say, boy, I'm one of those. That's me. And the preacher will preach. And they say, preach it, preacher. Hey, keep going. And then somebody else next to him say, well, I wish he'd shut up. You know what I mean? That's how it is. How is it somebody can sit there and the choir sings and they get blessed and this person gets mad about it. Uh, the preacher preaches and they get stirred up and that person gets sideways. Some folks say amen and some folks look at their watch or play a poker there on their phones, a Baptist church. I mean, how is that? I tell you how it is. That's what sin does in your life. There was a day I didn't like church either. I acted like some of y'all when I came to church. I mean, I didn't like it either. I came to church and I couldn't wait for the preacher to hush up. I didn't like the choir singing. I analyzed everything. I listened for every note the singers missed. That's just what I did. But then something happened. This is going to blow your mind. I got born again. I got saved. All of a sudden, I started to like Bible preaching. I mean, I liked it. I loved it. I wanted some more of it. That's bad music, but good preaching. I liked it. I couldn't get enough. If you know that, you're listening to the wrong kind of stuff. Uh, But anyway, I liked it. I thought, preacher, you can't preach hard enough for me. Preach! I liked it. I liked the singing. I didn't care if they sing on key or not. I didn't care. I just liked to hear him sing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I didn't used to like reading my Bible either. I didn't used to like to pray either. But then I got saved by the grace of God. And all of a sudden, I started getting stirred by stuff that didn't used to stir me. Maybe you're here tonight and say, I don't know. I just don't get anything out of the preaching. I tell you this, it's not the preaching's fault whether it's him, me, or somebody else. You say, I don't get a thing out of that singing. It's not the singing's fault if there's doctrinal truth in it. You say, I don't get anything when I read my Bible. Can I say the issue might be sin in your life that you've not confessed and gotten right with God. Sin deadens your feelings. Leprosy deadens the feelings. Number two, leprosy destroys the flesh. What began on the inside would eat its way to the outside. Slowly that leper would get those spots there above his eyebrows. White, scaly-looking patches of skin. 
His hair could have been a dark jet black color, would slowly die and turn a a yellowy white color and maybe even fall out. His appendages would lose circulation. The blood flow wouldn't go and his fingers would begin to die and rot and gangrene would take over. If you ever look it up online, you can see pictures of leper colonies and and it's not a pretty picture. Noses falling off of faces and ears deformed and I said fingers and toes missing and just the body curled up and uh, just bent over from that disease. What began on the inside began to be very noticeable on the outside. Let me say this, you can hide sin for a little while. You can harbor sin in your heart for a little while. You can stow it away deep down inside where nobody can see it for a little while, but eventually sin does find its way out. You can go ahead and ask that fellow who thought just one beer wouldn't be a problem. You can ask that one who thought putting that needle in their vein one time wouldn't be an issue. You can ask that one who wasn't faithful and was promiscuous. If that if they say, no, nah, it's not going to be a problem. Listen, the world is good at painting sin in very attractive colors. The world is good at making it look like something luxurious and something you had to chase after. They show you the front side of the billboard with that hunk of a man with a rubber skull in his cheek but they don't show you the back side of that billboard with that fellow having his jaw rotted off from cancer. They show you that good looking woman with a bud light in her hand but they don't show you that worn out hag on the back side who doesn't know what she did the night before her life's a mess and broken. Can I say that's what Sim does. I've done visits in the hospital with people who are on dialysis because they couldn't put the bottle down. I've visited those who had a tube in their throat that couldn't breathe without it because they wouldn't quit smoking cigarettes. Let me say camels aren't for smoking, they're for riding. Say amen right there. Billy Kelly said, if God wanted you to smoke, he'd have built a chimney on your head. You go ask that man or that woman who wouldn't be faithful, ran like an alley cat all the way uh, uh, around town, and now have a disease eating away at their body. I want to tell you, you young people, listen, sin will destroy your life. It'll destroy your flesh. Adult sin will destroy the flesh. What begins on the inside does work its way to the outside. Leprosy would destroy the feelings. Leprosy would destroy the flesh. Leprosy divided families. That leper, when that priest would condemn him or diagnose him as a leper, would immediately have to take him away from his family. That leper didn't understand. That's the last morning he'd kiss his wife. That's the last time she'd hug her husband. That's the last time he'd get to tuck those kids in the bed. But because of his disease, now he couldn't be where they were. We preach, every time we preach, there's at least one family or not, if not more, in that service that sin has absolutely suffered. We see him come to our church, bus kids, no, no mom in, in the home. No father at home. Church people come, mother and children, no daddy anywhere. Can I say the greatest gift God ever gave you outside of salvation is your family. And it's not worth you being stupid on your computer. Say amen right there. And it's not worth you being stupid wherever else you're stupid. <laughs> Listen, the best thing God's ever given you is your family. Sin destroys the flesh. Sin deadens the feeling. Sin divides families. Lastly, leprosy would destroy or disrupt fellowship. That leper would walk about with a rag over his face. And he'd shout as he walked, unclean, unclean. Now that doesn't mean that he was dirty physically, though he might have been. That means he was ceremonially not right with God. That means everywhere that leper's going, he is shouting, I'm not right with God. I'm not right with God. People would clear out of the way. They wouldn't drink from a stream he'd drink from, wouldn't sit on a bench he sat upon. They wouldn't dwell in the house that he was dwelling in. Why? Because that man's not right with God. He can't have any worship. He doesn't get any sacrifice. He doesn't ever get to be where God is. He's taken to a leper colony, dwells outside the city. He's cast off. He's condemned. He's compartmentalized in that place where everybody like him dwells. He's unclean. That's exactly what sin does to us as well. Can I say you and I lost without Jesus? Never 
never have any hope at all of getting to where God is. Sin cannot dwell in His presence. He said, your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And can I say, you might be a Baptist, but that doesn't mean you're going to get to heaven. And you might have on a tie on a Tuesday night. That doesn't mean you're going to get to heaven. You might be in church for the fourth time this week. That doesn't mean you're going to get to heaven. A lost person never will have any hope nor chance of getting in to the presence of God. Sin disrupts our fellowship. Lost and undone. Sinking to rise no more. Separated from God. That's a bad place to be. That's exactly what sin does. Sin destroys the flesh. Sin deadens the feeling. Sin divides family. Sin disrupts fellowship. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to live there. I'm glad that our God, even if it's dark, never leaves us without light. And I'm glad that the grace of God always, I said last night, intrudes, trespasses, walks into every situation. And God didn't leave us in chapter 13, but he gave us a chapter number 14. In chapter number 13, we find about the condition of the leper. If you're here tonight and you're lost, that's exactly where you're living. But now we find the cleansing of the leper. Now, I need you to picture it with me. This leper is outside the city. This leper has been taken from his family, taken from his job, taken from his church, if you will. He's been taken from everything he's loved, everything that he's known, and he's now dwelling with people just like him. I imagine if he could, that leper would have tried everything in his means to cure himself. Isn't that how we often do it? He tried to join every rehab. He tried to turn over every new leaf. He tried to be a good person. He tried to keep uh, whatever standards he could keep to meet the need, and whatever he did, it couldn't take the scabs away. It didn't change the fact that he was putrid in the eyes of God. He was still an unclean man walking about screaming, I'm not right with God. No doubt he was depressed and discouraged out there outside of the city in that leper colony. But can you imagine the day? Now don't get too excited but can you imagine the day when that leper would have looked up and seen a silhouette break the horizon? And as that leper looked yonder and saw that silhouette break the horizon, he focused in and he noticed that's not another leper coming to join the leper colony. That's the priest coming to where I am. That priest put everything else on hold. That priest put all of his duties at the tabernacle on hold and he went to where that leper was. And he came with a, with a motivation to make that leper new again, to cleanse him. I'm glad, listen, you didn't go looking for God. God came looking for you. Say amen right there. I'm glad when I could not go to where he was, he came for me. When I wasn't loving him, when I wasn't looking for him, I'm glad he cared enough to convict me of my sin and show me my need of salvation. Here's that leper outside the leper colony. All of a sudden, he sees a priest come to where he is. I need a leper tonight. Would one of you young men be my leper? Which one wants to volunteer? It's not going to hurt. You got good insurance? Come on. All right, here it is. He's going to be my leper. I'm going to be the high priest because I'm preaching. But anyway, he's the leper. He's been outside of the city. He's in a leper colony. He's ugly, as you can see. He, he's, uh, he's covered in sores. His hair has fallen out. Uh, here he is. I mean, he's putrefying. He's not right with God. He's away from his family. He had not got to kiss your wife in a long time. I bet you'd like to give it a try. He had not got to kiss his wife in a long time. He, he's not been at the house. He's cut off from society. But all of a sudden, the leper sees that priest coming to where he is. I imagine you'd be excited, wouldn't you? That priest come to where you are. You need that priest. Why? Because you're a mess. You're not right with God. You have no hope at all. But he's coming to where you are. You're on his heart and in his mind. That priest comes to where he is and he begins the cleansing process. The Bible tells us that he comes and he brings, stay right there now. He comes and he brings with him two animals for the cleansing. Look at your Bible in chapter number 14. The Bible's in verse 3. And the priest shall go forth out of the camp 
And the priest shall look, and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper. So he looks him up and down, and he sees the sin, and he sees the stain, and he sees all the marks of what that man is. I'm glad he doesn't push him away. I'm glad he doesn't say, you know what, you're not fit. But he looks at him and says, you know what, you're a perfect candidate for cleansing. I don't know who you are tonight. I don't care what you've done. If you're breathing air, you can get born again if you want to get saved. That priest goes to where he is, and he says, I've got two birds with me. He says right there in verse number 4, the priest commanded to take for him that is to be cleansed too. What's it say? Say it with me. Two what? Birds alive and clean and cedarwood and scarlet and hyssop. So here comes that priest to where that leper is, but he doesn't come empty-handed. He comes with everything he needs to make that man new again. He brings two birds. Now the Bible's very specific. It doesn't say two goats. It doesn't say two sheep. It says two birds. It had to be the birds. It couldn't be a goat. It couldn't be a sheep. It couldn't be an ox. It couldn't be a bullock. It had to be those two birds. A very specific sacrifice because of our sin. We also needed a very specific sacrifice. It's not baptism. It's not worry beads. It's not a prayer closet. It's not a priest. It's not church membership. It's not good works. It's not buying Girl Scout cookies. It's not peddling a 10-speed and passing out gospel literature. You say, what is it? There's only one. Jesus is His name. In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son. Jesus came to where we are. Jesus, the Son of God. When you and I were lost and undone, on our way to hell, Jesus left heaven for earth for you and for me to die in our place. I see that priest coming with those two birds. He's got cedar wood. He's got scarlet and he's got hyssop. He takes one of those birds. I'm saying this leper's probably thinking, what is that priest doing? He's got those birds. Maybe he's bringing the birds for companionship. Maybe they'll be my pets in the leper colony. But then the priest does something unthinkable. He takes one of those birds. Can you see it? One of those little turtle doves, that white, innocent looking, clean bird. And he takes it and he takes a knife and there's an earthen vessel there with running water. That running water is like living as water that's never been stagnant nor still. It's like living water. He takes that bird and he cuts its neck. All of a sudden that blood begins to run from that bird into that basin and that living water is mingled with the blood and there it is. He's dying and that leper is probably thinking, why did he do that? He doesn't get it yet. Why is that bird shedding his blood? It doesn't make any sense. He hadn't read Hebrews yet. Without the shedding of blood is no remission. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You can be as good as you want, but it still takes the blood. You can be as moral as possible, but it still takes the blood. Only one thing can atone for the sin of man. It's the blood. I can see as Jesus was on the cross of Calvary. He didn't come just to live a good life. He came to die a perfect death. He didn't come just to be a good teacher. He came to be a good sacrifice. Jesus went to that cross, stretched himself greater love. Hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And our Savior, the God of gods, the creator of all, took himself and spread himself upon the cross. And those Roman soldiers drove nails through his hands. What was that? That was that bird dying for us lepers. He began to shed that blood, not spilling it, but shedding it on purpose to atone for our sin. Thank God for Jesus. He takes that bird. He slays that bird. That blood is mingled there in that earthen vessel. Now, you know the type of that? He gave him a body, didn't he, Jesus? When they pierced his side on the cross, what came out? Blood and water. You see that leper, he's standing here thinking, why do you have to kill that bird? Why do you do that? All of a sudden, that priest takes that cedar wood like a brush handle, that hyssop like the brush end in a scarlet thread and wraps it all together, knots it, dips it down in that blood. All that gore, all that mess from that dead bird gets on that blood, 
In the Bible, you can look at it. It says he takes it and he sprinkles it upon that fellow seven times. Picture it. He's wearing grave clothes. His scaly flesh, white. His hair, white. And all of a sudden, that deep, dark crimson blood begins to splatter on him. And that blood begins to kind of cover up all those scars and all the sight of that leprosy. And the Bible said he doesn't just do it once. Doesn't just do it twice. But he takes blood and puts it on him seven times. If you study your Bible, you know the number seven. What's that mean? Perfection or completion. You know what that means? He perfectly covers him in the blood. He completely covers him in the blood. That means every, every possible inch of this man ceremonially is now under that blood. Can you see him there? That blood is running all over him. That bird is dead. That blood has been shed. And thank God it wasn't just annihilated. That blood was applied to his life. Can I say that's the key right there? It's not enough just to know the gospel. You've got to receive the gospel. It's not enough just to know Jesus died. You have to make it yours. That Bible doesn't do you any good unless it's mixed with faith in them that hear it. The book of Hebrews. Chapter 4 tells us, and here it is, there has to be a day when you personally understand you're a sinner headed for hell, and you understand Jesus died for your sins on the cross of Calvary, and you cry out to Him personally to be your Savior. You're not going to go to heaven because your daddy's going to heaven. You're not going to go to heaven because your daddy's a preacher. You're not going to go to heaven because your parents go to church. You won't go to heaven because everybody else in your family is a Christian. You've got to have a day or a moment in your life when you get convicted of your sin and cry out to Jesus to forgive you and to take you to heaven when you die. That blood has now been applied, but it didn't stop there. Let's look at our Bible. It's so perfect. The picture is that leper's there. He's covered in the blood. And now don't forget how many birds were there. Two birds. Look with me in verse number, verse number six. As for the living bird, he didn't just need a bird to die. He needed a bird to rise. Watch this. As for the living bird, he shall take it and the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and shall dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. Now watch this. And he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. So here's what he's doing. He took that living bird, he wraps it up with that hyssop, he dips that living bird in that gore, and that you know what that, that blood represents? His condemnation. That blood represents his judgment. That blood represents his wrath. That bird was dying to atone for him being not right with God. He takes that living bird and he dips it there, sprinkles it seven times, but he doesn't stop there. And that leper's probably thinking, I don't understand. I know he brought a bird to die, but what, what the, what's of the living bird? He takes that living bird. That living bird is covered in all of his condemnation. It's covered in all of his judgment. It's covered in all of his sin and wrath. And all of a sudden he takes that living bird and the Bible said he lets it loose. And all of a sudden that living bird rises up into the sky. Maybe about that time it hits his heart and he understands it. He's taken my judgment away. He's taken my condemnation away. He's taken my wrath away. He's taken me not being right with God away. He didn't just need a bird to die. He had to have one rise again. I think about the song, living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sin far away, but rising he justified. Any old man can die, only Jesus can die, and then come back to life again. Why? Because he's God. We don't serve a dead Jew in a borrowed tomb. We have a risen Savior who's at the right hand of the Father. He ascended back into heaven. He went to the right hand of the Father. He took the blood he'd shed and put it on the mercy seat for us to justify us in the eyes of God. There's that leper. He's got the blood applied. There's that leper. His sacrifice has died and risen again. But it doesn't stop there. Now he takes him into verse number 8 and 9. He says, here's what we're going to do. I want you to wash your hair. I want you to shave off all that old hair. 
all your eyebrows, everything. I want you to change your clothes. Take off that old coat and put on the new. Get rid of that. He used to be wearing those grave clothes, but now that high priest said, no, no, let me wrap you in what I got. I'm going to impute this to you. Wrap up in that. He's a new creature now, isn't he? When you get saved, thank God old things are passed away. Feel all things are become new. Gone, gone, gone. Yes, my sins are gone. The scars might be there. The memories might be there. But thank God the stigma and the condemnation in the eyes of God is gone. I always say when God saved you, He didn't just wipe your slate clean. He broke your slate and threw it away. Say amen right there. In the Old Testament the Bible says He took our sin and separated them as far as the east is from the west. In the Old Testament the Bible said God buried them in the depths of the sea. But that's Old Testament. In the New Testament it's better. Jesus literally became sin for us. And when Jesus died on the cross, our sin died with him. He went to hell and left it there and rose again without it. Say amen right there. So it's gone like it never even happened. He wraps him in that jacket, but he's not done yet. I want to get to verse 11. The Bible says, and the priest that maketh him clean shall present the man that is to be made clean and those things before the Lord at the door of the, what's that word? Tabernacle? Wait a minute. I thought that leper wasn't allowed in that tabernacle. He wants to get in there because that's where God is. That's the presence of God in that tabernacle. He's outside the camp. He's not in the city. He's not even allowed in the city. Can you imagine that priest grabs him and says, hey, listen, I want to take you someplace. Walk with me a minute. Can you imagine as they begin to walk back toward the city? Maybe that leper's a little apprehensive. Maybe he'll stop and say, wait a minute. You know they're going to talk. They remember what I used to be. They saw me with all those scabs and scales. And, and that priest maybe pulls him close and says, don't you worry about them. You're walking with me now. Let's walk. They walk up to the gate of the city. And sure enough, their sister, tongue too big for her mouth sitting by the city gate, and she's tweeting about it. Brother so-and-so's over there blogging about it with a fake name, so nobody will know who he is from his mother's basement, <laughs> talking trash about the leper. And that priest pulls him close and says, don't you worry about them. They weren't there when I cleansed you, but you were there. I know what you were, but now I know what you are. You're walking with me now. They walk back in through that city, and they pass the marketplace, and there's people there staring. He passes his house. Boy, he hadn't got to go to that house in a long time. He said, I'm not going to take you there first. I want to take you someplace else. And the Bible said they walk all the way to the tabernacle. The presence of God is in there. No doubt that leper says, wait a minute, I can't go in there. If I go in there, God will kill me. Maybe that priest says, you can't go in there alone, but you can get in there with a priest. Here's what I'll do. I'll stand in front of you and you go in behind me. I'll be your forerunner. And I'll get you right in there where he is. Watch this. And there's God. You follow me in there. And can you see the Bible says that priest that maketh him clean will present that man. They walk into the presence of God. Maybe the voice of God says, priest, what do you have there? So I got a leper. You have a leper, let me see him. Maybe the priest would step aside and God said, I don't see a leper priest. That man doesn't look like a leper to me. He said, well, I just want to present him to you. He's been cleansed now. The blood's been applied to his life. And God welcomes him back. You know what happens then? He gets his fellowship back. He gets his family back. He gets his flesh back to an extent. Everything leprosy had stolen away from him, the priest got back for him. He gets to go places he couldn't go before. Why? Because he's walking with a priest. Now tonight I'm preaching to a lot of folks who don't deserve to ever get in the presence of God. We haven't merited to ever get in the presence of God. We're not worthy to be in the presence of God. But whoop, one of these days, hey, we're going to get to walk right in the very presence of God himself. Why? Because we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We have a great high priest. I got saved not too many years ago compared to some of y'all. I've been saved a little while. And ever since I got saved, I've been walking. 
walking with a high priest. I remember what I used to be, and there's a crowd out there that remembers what I used to be, but I'm glad there's moments when that still small voice will pull me close and say, don't you worry about them. I was there when you got cleansed, and I've been walking with him ever since, but he's taken me to a certain destination. One of these days, whether by death or rapture, I'm going to get escorted in the presence of God by my great high priest. Now listen, you're here tonight. You say, Brother Cooper, sin has ravaged my life. I've lost my family. I've lost my fellowship. You can get it all back tonight. I've got a priest named Jesus that can turn your life around if you just come to him. It doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter how deep the stain of sin is gone. Thank God he can wash it white as snow. But you've got to come unto him. Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus shed his blood on the cross for you. And if you'd come unto him tonight, you could get made new like you've never sinned before in the eyes of God. God, justified freely forever. Thank God for our priest. Now listen, you say, well, I'm saved. Yeah, I know, but we're still lepers. Might be cleansed, but we're still, we still get spots, don't we? And if there's any kind of sin in your heart tonight, listen, to truly have revival, you're going to have to confess it and get it right. But if you're here tonight and you're not saved, listen, this would be a great place to get saved. It'd be a great night to get born again. I'm glad for that day. Here's what he did. I was wearing condemnation and I was wearing wrath. And I was wearing that, uh, uh, that uh, corruption, and he traded me for a new coat. And he wrapped me up in mercy, and he wrapped me up in grace, and he wrapped me up in his righteousness. And one of these days, I can stand in the presence of God, not because of Justin, but all because of Jesus. And when the Lord looks on me, thank God, just like that death angel in Egypt, he'll see that blood and he'll pass over. And I'll have entrance and access because of what Christ did for me on the cross of Calvary. You see, who are you? I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Amen. And I'm glad that God saves old sinners. It's amazing how every song from the specials congregational were tailored down this same pathway. No doubt somebody here tonight needed to hear it. Jesus died for you. You can get saved tonight. And Christian, if you're saved, he still loves you as much as he ever did. And you can come and get right tonight. Thank you for helping me. You can be seated. Let's do this. We're going to have a word of prayer.